Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, I thank you for every person that's in the house today. Lord, we believe that they're not here by accident, but you have something from your heart, uh, God, that you want to speak to them. And so, Lord, we just choose to lean into you. God, we choose to open up our ears and open up our heart to receive all that you would have for us today. Father, I'm asking you today, God, that this would not be uh, just information that's transferred, but, Lord, that there would be revelation that would come to our hearts. And so, Lord, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you were here last week, you know that we started a new series entitled Foundation, uh, Building Blocks of the Faith. And so, once again, just kind of give you a, a just kind of underlying base of what's happening here. This series is basically begins in this thought is that all throughout the Bible, God uses metaphors to describe our connection with him. And one of those metaphors is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It's where Paul wrote this. He said, you are God's building. So can somebody say, I am? Come on, let's tell it with me and say, I am, I am. God's building. So listen, with that, with that metaphor in mind, I think we can all agree that the most important part of a physical building is its foundation. And if we realize it or not, I think the same thing can be said about our spiritual lives. Amen? So uh, this is why, obviously, God desires for us to take the necessary time. Notice I said the necessary time because it's not a quick thing, but the necessary time to lay a strong biblical foundation in our lives through the Word of God. And if you uh, know it, you know it, but the only way that foundation can be laid is through the Word of God. It doesn't come any other way. So, like I mentioned last week, uh, thankfully you and I don't have to sit back and wonder, okay, uh, you know, where's, where's the parts of the foundation I need to get from the Bible? Uh, because God actually already told us the foundational pieces we need. He told us in Hebrews chapter 6, and so I want us to look at it again together if we can. It says this in verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. I'm going to pause there for a moment. The, the words elementary principle actually mean the Greek language simply this, the ABCs of Christ. And so he's saying basically this is as basic as it comes. And he says, let us go on to perfection. That actually means let us, uh, like a child, graduate from one grade to the next, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So listen, guys, through these verses, we can see that God has already given us a list of six foundational teachings or six building blocks, if you will, that all of us, if we say that we're believers, that we need to be familiar with. And once again, those six are repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgments. That every one of us should have a firm grasp on what those are. And by firm grasp, I mean we should be able to explain those to a person who's a non-believer. 
All right, so listen, last week if you were here, we talked about repentance from dead works. What I want to do today, I want to turn our attention to the second uh, doctrine of Christ there, which is faith towards God. And uh, actually what I want to do today, you know, most of the time when I, when I prepare a sermon, preach a sermon, I try my best to, to start with the thought and almost like in a straight line walk everybody to the end. Uh, that's not how today's going to go. I'm going to give you basically these thoughts that I have about faith. Uh, I've done it my best to try to connect them, so if you can, just... Just kind of give me a little bit of grace there and understand that, that it's not going to be as succinct as normal. Uh, but I believe Jesus still taught to you. Amen? Amen? All right. So let's begin by talking about where faith begins. So we know biblically that the starting point of our faith is actually found in another very familiar verse that comes from Hebrews as well. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It simply says this. It says, now without faith, it is impossible to please him. That actually means it's impossible to be in agreement with him. It says, for the one who approaches God must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so from this verse, we see there's two key components at the starting point of our faith. And the first one is simply that, is that he is, right? For the, it says, for the one who approaches God must first believe that he is. And so true faith must begin with the fact that God is, that he exists. Amen? So, so think about it this way. How can you and I uh, know God, walk with God, worship God, love God, receive anything from God if we aren't sure or don't believe he exists? So now what I think is so interesting about this is nowhere in the Bible from Genesis Revelation does, does the Bible set out to prove the existence of God. It simply declares it in the beginning, God. Right, And then it says that there's absolutely no excuse for you and I or anyone else in this world uh, to not believe in his existence because the creator is known by creation. So Romans chapter 1 actually says this. It says that they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his external power and divine nature. Watch this last part. It says, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. For they have no excuse for not believing in his existence. So listen, in light of those two verses, uh, we realize that no man, not even Adam, witnessed uh, creation at the beginning. Like, we get that. But... Every one of us have seen creation. And on top of that, God has given you and I the intelligence uh, to interpret basically that this world could not and did not come into existence by itself. So which means that there has to be a creator, there has to be a maker, a designer, or a being who is all-powerful. And you and I know that's God. It's Jesus, right? So, so in short, I believe those two words, he is, has the ability to eradicate any doubt, any unbelief from the hearts of any single person. In other words, it settles the question, is God real or not? So the second component in the starting point of our faith is this, is that he is a rewarder. Notice what it said, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So, so how does God reward uh, those who seek him? It's pretty, pretty simple through the Bible. It's with himself. Yeah. Right? In other words, this truth is echoed again and again. But two places, Genesis 15.1, this is where God spoke to Abram. He said this. He said, I am your exceedingly great reward. Jeremiah 29.13, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Yeah. 
So those three verses guarantee, they're sure promises to you and I that if we would simply turn our eyes to him, that he will reveal himself to us. Amen? So with that in mind, I think it's really important for us to realize that God not only reveals himself through creation, please don't miss this, but he has also revealed himself to the world through Jesus, through the Bible, through the movings and the workings of the Holy Spirit. In other words, signs and wonders, miracles, prophetic words, and so on. Like God reveals himself to people in those ways. And I'll just say this on that note. Over the years, I've learned that God can and will do whatever he needs to do to reveal himself to people. Right? And so I just think, uh, you know, God, if we, can, if we can understand his heart, he is more concerned with people coming to know him than he is in fitting in some cute little religious box that we want to put him in. And, and if you could just uh, grab a hold of this today to understand that, once again, he's God, right? So he can do whatever he wants. Right? Like, that, he's God. Right? God settles it. Amen? All right. So with all that said, I think where the rubber meets the road is, is what you and I choose to do after he has revealed himself to us. What do we do after? Because to me, it's, um, that's what really matters. Like, will we choose to put our faith in him or not? Now, watch this. I want to I real, real quick take a step back to last week, and I want to connect repentance and faith because, because that has to happen. God reveals himself. Then what do we do? And that's where repentance and faith comes in together. So watch this. Uh, when we read the New Testament, I think it's easy to see that in a person's salvation experience, repentance and faith are inseparable. Like people argue which comes first, repentance or, or, or faith. It doesn't matter. They have to work together, right? Because I think it's impossible to uh, repent without having faith. And it's impossible to have true faith, true faith, without repenting. See, that's why the Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says, repent and believe. Yeah. Right? So I can, let me just kind of give you an example. I think this way. Like I can repent or, you know, turn from my sins, but if I don't have faith that Jesus paid the price on the cross for my sins to be forgiven, then how will they ever be forgiven? Right? And at the same time, I could, I could turn from my sins but not have faith in what Jesus did. So how can I, right? How can I do that? Right? Same time, watch this. To flip that. On the other hand, watch this. I can have faith in what Jesus did, but if I don't repent, how am I forgiven? Am I making sense to y'all? So, so I think, once again, they depend on one another. If you and I are going to actually have true salvation experience, then it requires us both to repent and to believe, right? So, so that's why the first two foundational teachings were, were what? Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Now, before we move on, I want to say something. There's something I feel like I need to say today. I, I want to actually point out the word from and the word toward. Like, I want us to grab a hold of what those two words mean because, because this is what happens in our salvation experience. The word from simply means this, and this is in the Greek language what it means. It actually means a separation which causes the fellowship of two to be destroyed. Repentance from dead works. So how many of you guys know that, that, that when you're in sin, you kind of have a relationship with your sin? Right? Now, now watch this. Watch what toward means. It means this. It means moving in the direction of someone with the intention of staying with them once you arrive. Faith toward God. I'm going to stay with him once I've arrived. Right? So, so to me, that's what happens when we truly repent. Like God's power comes and destroys our relationship with sin. Right? Like we have to understand that there's a power released from heaven when we choose to go, God, I'm going to do it your way. Right, And so what happens is, is he breaks that relationship so we can have a relationship with him. 
So one relationship ends, so another relationship begins. That's why the Bible says that we've been delivered from the power of darkness and transferred into or towards what it means into the kingdom of light. Are y'all seeing that? So when you repent, it means if it's when you first got saved or if it's you're struggling with something now, the same thing. He breaks that relationship so you can move forward with him. Amen? All right, so watch this. Once we repent, uh, the only way to actually maintain a relationship with Jesus is through faith. That's why the Bible says in, uh, I believe it's four different places, it simply says that the just, those who have been justified, shall live by faith. Right? And so I think if we're going to do this, then we need to understand what faith is. We need to understand what it's not. And I want you all to hear me today because I'm trying to say something to you. Okay? So, so let's talk first and foremost what faith is not. Number one, it's not a mental ascent. It's not mental ascent. You see, when I was growing up, right, in Alabama, when, when push came to shove, almost every person that I knew would have claimed to be Christian. Because they sort of knew some of the more popular Bible stories, they knew about Noah and the ark, right? They, they knew about David and Goliath. They kind of knew about Jesus on the cross, right? So, so they knew some stories, they had a general respect for the Bible, which means they, they respected the book, but it didn't mean they read the book, <laughs> right? They, they, they recognized Jesus as God. In other words, they said, we're not, we're not Muslim. We believe in Jesus, right? They believed in heaven and hell. They have, uh, you know, another thing they would do, they had ministers officiate their weddings and, and officiate the funerals of their loved ones. And, and lastly, the reason they knew they were Christians is because they got all dressed up and they went to church on Easter, and had a ham afterwards. <laughs> right? But that's as far as their commitment went. In fact, while I was thinking about all this, I remember to kind of sum up the kind of people that I knew as a kid. Is, is y'all remember when the WWJD bracelets came out? Like, did they re reach here? Probably like 20 years later, I realized that. But... <laughs> <laughs> They're on the way. There we go. All right, so it was these bracelets, as you don't know. All right, so WWJD, it stood for What Would Jesus Do? Okay? And so uh, it was like a trend. People wore them. Maybe hand if you know what I'm talking about. Man, okay. All right, good. Woo. All right, so anyways, I remember, I remember being in the school, and this kid said, you know, I only smoke with this hand. I don't smoke with that hand because I got my WWJD bracelet on. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Right? So being around all those people kind of growing up, it wasn't until I became 17 years old that I began to ask a single question. It was this, is true faith not more than mentally agreeing with or accepting a set of beliefs that center around a couple of Bible facts and truth? Right, like, like there's just some cool ideas, right? And, and obviously we know the answer is yes, right? Because of what James says. I want us to hear this verse, please. It says, so you see, faith, he's talking about mental ascent, by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds, by my works. Then it says this, watch this, reason I'm reading it. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. He's saying, you're foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Come on, wave your hand if you know that's weighty. Listen, James is telling these folks that in comparison to their own lives, that even demons believe in the virgin birth, the Bible, and who God is, and heaven and hell, and yet they're going to spend eternity 
and hell still believing all those things. That's what he's saying, right? And so, so his point is, is that their mental ascent, right, was nothing more than dead faith. And, and we all know that dead faith has never saved anybody, right? So but on the other hand, he says, man, look, if you have a real encounter, if you have genuine faith, it always reveals itself in how a person lives their life. So let me say it to you in another way. If you've really been saved, everybody's going to know. Like, I think, one, I think one of the things that, that just makes me want to shake people sometimes as a pastor is, is someone dies, and they go, well, we think they were saved. And in my head, I'm going, okay, I'm going, if they were really saved, everybody would have knew it. Am I making sense? Well, it's private. Read the book. No, it ain't. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Y'all with me? So listen, on that note, if we say we truly believe in the God of the Bible, then how does our life show it? I'm asking y'all today. How does our life show it? Like if we believe he's love, how are we doing in our love walk? If we believe he forgives, how are we forgiving people? Right? If we believe that he's holy, what kind of holiness are we walking in? Right? If we think he's truth, are we running around lying? Right? If, if we believe he is the prince of peace, then what kind of peace are we walking in? Are we just loving chaos, right? If we think he's a generous God, he's a giving God, how generous are we? Like if we believe he answers prayer, how much are we praying? If we believe in a hell, how much are we trying to keep people from going there? Am I making sense? The second thing that I want you to understand that faith is not is this, and y'all please listen to me. It is not presumption. It's not presumption. Now, I know we don't use that word often, but here's what it means. It means to take something for granted, or to assume a reality that doesn't exist. As an example, think about all those people that we just talked about. In other words, all those folks I grew up with, right? They honestly believed that if they told themselves that they were going to heaven when they died, they thought they would. That's presumption, right? So, so why? Because they assumed if they knew some facts about God, that it must mean that they were right with God. <laughs> right? So, so, but listen, but they've never had this, you know, a true, once again, salvation experience that we're talking about. And, and so what I would say that a lot of those people have was a counterfeit faith. That's not judging. That's just comparing their lives to the word, right? And, and so why? Because they were assuming a reality that they were right with God that didn't exist. And, and so, listen, as a former youth pastor, I, I witnessed loads and loads and loads of kids uh, who, who thought that they could just borrow their parents' faith. And now being a senior pastor for almost eight years, I see people all the time think they can borrow their spouse's faith, they can borrow their friend's faith, they can borrow the, my faith, they can borrow the church's faith. And guys, it doesn't work that way, right? So that's presumption. And let me just say it this way. I, I think, and this may sound hard, I think we are going to be surprised when all this thing wraps up how many people hear the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, depart from me for I never knew you, because they presumed that they were okay with God. See, that's why I personally pray, we pray, that our children have a real-life changing encounter with God, where, 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 where God is no longer mom and dad's God, but our children have a personal relationship with Jesus, and that's what we encourage, right? So let me give you another way presumption reveals itself, and this especially in the church, so y'all please listen. It, it, it's this, is that when we think that we can imitate the faith of another person, 
Okay, and what I mean by that is we tell ourselves, uh, if, if they can do it, so can I. Now, now, watch what I mean by that. It is basically we tell ourselves that when we don't have the revelation they have. And, and when we haven't paid the price that they've paid. And we don't have a specific word from God like they have. Like I remember clearly one time, 21 years old, saying, God, will you give me faith like so-and-so? And I heard him, clear as the bell, say, are you willing to pay the price he's paid? I didn't need to presume that I could just have it, right? And so I just think this, it's like, even though we haven't walked the road, paid the price, have a specific word, it's like in presumption we convince ourselves into believing that if we act like they act, say the words they say, in the way they say it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then we'll get the same results they get. Are y'all hearing me? Okay, so listen to scripture, very interesting scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. It says, by faith, the people, some of the Israelites, passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Why? Because they were presumptuous, right? Their presumption looked like faith, acted like faith, but it ended in a way that it wasn't faith. How do we know? Because it didn't work. And so, so I think there's this spot we have to look at our lives and go, okay, when I'm trying to do all this, is it working? So let me give you an example, like an extreme example of presumption. But uh, there's a guy, I've read loads of his stuff, loads of stories, but it's a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. And, and there's a, uh, a very well-documented healing that happened in one of his, one of his meetings years ago. He's from, uh, from England. And uh, basically what happened was in the meeting, uh, there was this man that was dying of cancer. He was skin and bones, really. I mean, he was like uh, a few days from death. And his doctor decided, you got to love a doc like this. His doctor said, I can't do anything else for this man, so I'm going to take him to this healing uh, revivalist evangelist meeting, right? And so they rolled this man in on a gurney, and, and Smith preaches, and it comes time to pray for everybody, and they line everybody, and they roll the guy up, uh, up in the bed, like in the line where people are getting healing. And so Smith's just coming down the line praying for people, and he gets to this man. He looks at the doctor, and he says, what's wrong with him? And the doctor says he has stomach cancer. And without warning, Smith hauls off and he punches the man in the stomach. Boom! Hits him. The guy goes uh, limp as a dish rag. The doctor starts screaming, you killed him, you killed him, you killed him. And Smith just ignored him and started praying for the next guy. Right? And, and basically a few people down, the guy got up completely healed. Good to go. Right? Now, now why am I telling you that? <laughs> okay. Because over the years, and you can go on YouTube and actually look at it, there's people who have, who have presumed that they can punch people in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and, and it didn't work. So how do we know it's presumption? Because they got hit back. <laughs> I saw this video where this man hauled off and hit a woman, and that woman hauled off and hit that preacher. Wow. Right? Go with me. So li- listen, I-, I realize that none of us are walking around punching people in the name of Jesus. Hopefully not. <laughs> There's been some people I've wanted to punch in the name of Jesus. Um, but I think if we, if we can do this, kind of get where the heart of it, if we take an honest evaluation, can we ask ourselves, are we imitating the faith of others anywhere in our lives? Right? Like, like, like are we being genuine and authentic in everything we do in Jesus? Th- th- that's how show gets in the church. Performance. Jesus isn't into that, y'all. He honors real faith he doesn't honor imitation, right? And, and so if we can just ask ourselves, man, is, is there any fakeness here? 
Like, Jesus, I just want to be real. Am I making sense? All right, so let's talk about what faith is. In my experience, the word faith can sometimes really confuse people because they have a hard time defining it. And there's a really simple meaning for faith, and it's, and it's this. It's basically faith means to have trust and confidence in and to rely on. Somebody say rely on. That, like that's really where, where the money's at for me. Do we rely on him? And so, listen, with that definition in mind, let me just kind of give you an example. Um, let's say that this stool is God, okay? And, you know, a lot of times in church, basically we do this. We're like, okay, um, you know, I know that's God, but, but we misplace our faith, right? In other words, like, let, let me tell you how it really is. Woo, it's Sunday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Yeah, God, we love you. Right, and the rest of the time, we're, we're, we're relying on ourselves, yeah. right? We're, right, we're relying on our hard work, we're relying on our abilities, our self-confidence, our good deeds, we're putting our trust in other people, in other relationships, right, in our employment, in the government, in the world system, we're even putting our trust in our church attendance, in our giving, in our confirmation, in our long, outstanding membership at so-and-so church. But the truth is, listen, you and I were never created to put our trust in all those things. Like We're hardwired by God to understand that he is the object of our faith. Remember, it's repentance from dead work, faith toward God. So we're wired for that, right? And so I just think this, when we put our faith in God, it's not saying, well, I believe in the stool, but I don't rely on the stool. I acknowledge the stool. I know he's there. I got a book about the stool. I go to church and uh, gather people. We talk about the stool, but that's about as far as it goes. Right? And and to understand when you and I say, no, 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 we have faith in God, what we're saying is, is that we're not just kind of like leaning. (laughs) I'm still trusting in myself and my bank account. Right? But, and, and oh yeah, God, but in case I need you. But we have to understand when we say we rely on God, we're like this, Jesus. Fall off? Okay. But we'll get back on. Okay. All right, fall again. Okay. Okay, God, I'm going to rely on you. Because that's what life is like. Yeah. Right? And we just, so we get this. And then we fall off again. Yeah. Say, no, 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 God, I, I, I rely on you. Yeah. Am I making sense to y'all? So, so really what it is, if I can use two words, it's, it's, it's full weight. Yeah. That we want to put our full weight on God. Right? And say, God, I trust you. Right? I believe you can uphold my life. In fact, the Bible says that if his word can uphold basically the universe, right? It says in Hebrews 1, surely he can uphold us. Right? Am I making any sense? All right, let me get off of it before I fall off of it again. I, I think that's why, um, to give you a verse, and I've prayed, man, thousands of times, to say, God, I, I'm putting my weight on you, is, is uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, right? All right, now let's bring this idea of faith into our salvation experience. All right, so watch this. I'm going to try to take us from uh, the beginning to the end to prove a point, okay? So watch this. So let's talk about our salvation experience. Think about it this way. Um, you and I didn't see Jesus crucified, but we believed it happened. Yeah. We didn't see the wounds in his hands, his feet, or his side, but we believe they're there, right? We didn't see a single drop of blood that was shed for our sins, but we believe in it. Right? We didn't see his resurrected body, but we believe that he rose from the dead. 
right? And so I think it's this, that here's what's so wonderful about this, is that every person's story in this room is completely different, but at one time, you and I heard the same gospel message, right? And we believed it was true, so much so that we choose to lean or to put our faith, our trust, and our confidence, and our full reliance in that message. Am I true? Okay. All right, so and the Bible tells us that in Romans 4, that at that moment, that minding your faith, leaning into that, was accounted or credited to us as righteousness. In other words, by putting our faith right fully in what Jesus accomplished for us, we were considered to be in right standing with God. Right? So this is why Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? So, okay, so that's the start of our faith journey. Let's fast forward to the end. Like you and I didn't see Jesus ascend into heaven, but we believe he did. Hang with me, guys, right? Like, we've, we've never seen the Lamb's Book of Life, right? But we believe our names are in it. Like, we've never seen the streets of gold. We've never seen the God's throne. We've never seen the river that runs from it. We've never seen the angels that, that surround it, but yet we believe they're there, right? We, we, we've never seen heaven, okay, most of us, right? But, but we believe that we'll spend our eternity in there, right? And, and let me just get practical. We don't know how we're even going to get there, but we believe we're going, Right? And so here's what I'm wanting to see is that if you and I have faith for our start, full faith, and if we have full faith for God uh, to do what He did, is going to do at the end, right? Then surely we can have faith for the middle. Right? And so, once again, I think that faith says if God accomplished what He did at my start, if He can accomplish what He did at my end, then I believe He is more than able to accomplish what needs to happen in the middle. And so I'm choosing to, once again, completely lean. On him. Right? And so if if you ask me, like, how would I define faith? Here's how I define faith. Faith is an inward confidence that knows God is who he says he is, and that he will do what he said he would do. That's how I live my life. God, I trust that you are who you say you are and that you'll do what you said you'll do. Now, how do you and I figure out who he is and what he's gonna do? It's pretty easy. We need to go to the source. Right, which we all know is what? It's the Bible, right? Romans 10, 17, y'all hear me please. Says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But but how many of you guys know that there's a huge difference, a vast difference between hearing and receiving? <laughs> or we can even say hearing and believing. Man, I, I have I have sat in church a many a Sundays and a many a Wednesdays with unbelieving believers. I have watched again and again my pastor, Pastor Al Bryce, preach and preach and preach and preach the word of God, and they get down to the altar and pray with somebody, and they, I'm like, did you hear what the man just said? Because all it is is doubt and unbelief. Right? So, so listen, there's something about more than just coming to church and hearing the dude talk. Right? So, so we got to believe it. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians says this. says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as word of men. Like we're not talking about the word of men today, right? But it says that, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. You see, once again, we can hear the Bible week after week, but true faith only comes when we choose to go, you know what, Lord, reckless abandonment, I'm going to believe it. 
I receive it. That is your truth and it's your word and your will for my life. And it's at that point, guess what? We, we go from being hearers of the word to doers of the word. And we understand that, guess what? That the power comes when we not only listen to it, but we obey it. See, there's an old quote that challenges me by Leonard Ravenhill. He said this, and maybe you've heard it before. He said this. He said, one of these days, some simple soul will pick up the book of God, read it, and believe it. Then the rest of us will be embarrassed. Let that sink in. Right? All right, so let's, let's try to land this thing. I'm going to talk about faith in action really quick. Because uh, for the most part today, we've been talking about kind of a saving faith. Now I want to talk to you about kind of faith in action, okay? Because once again, the just shall live, that's action, by faith, right? So biblically, we know that saving faith is simply trusting God wholly. In other words, God, you got to do it. I can't do it. And so that's what happened in all of our salvation experience if we're saved in this place, that when we said, Jesus, save me, we were trusting that he would wash our sins, Am I right? No, no, because you couldn't do anything. That's what Ephesians says, right? Not by works. So it means you you did nothing. We wholly depended upon Him. So when it comes to basically uh, active faith, this is where God actually tells you and I what to do, and then through our obedience, He works in and through us to accomplish His will. So, so that's uh, y'all hear me. That's how our life's supposed to be. It's an active faith, okay? And so that's why we have to know the Word of God, and we have to discern and know God's voice when He speaks to us. So let me give you a couple examples because it's really, and I don't want to confuse you, but there's like this relationship between saving faith, in other words, God, we're dependent wholly on you, so look beyond salvation, and this active faith. So let me give you some examples. Uh, We all know that in uh, Genesis, God spoke to Noah, told him to build an ark. Noah stepped out in active faith and built an ark. Dude had never seen rain before. So he was trusting that whatever's going to happen to make this boat do whatever, God was going to have to do it. So saving faith, okay, basically rained and God saved his life. Fast forward, we know that God told the Israelites to march around the walls of Jericho seven times. Active faith marched. On the seventh time around, saving faith demolished the walls. Right? So, so fast forward, go to the New Testament. Think about it this way. Jesus told the servants to go fill up the water pots. That was active faith. He's the one turned water into wine. Right? Jesus told the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. He just did his part, and God did his part. Right? Jesus told the guy, hey, pick up your mat and walk. He did an active faith, his part, and Jesus did the rest. Right? Think about when uh, he came to the tomb of Lazarus, roll away the, the stone. They rolled away. They, 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 that probably wasn't light. Active faith rolled away the stone. He screamed, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came forth. He did his part. Am I making sense? So so think about this. He told Peter, let down your net. Peter said, okay, whatever, at your word, throws out the net, Jesus filled it. Right? And so so what I'm trying to get y'all to see, in the same way back then, that when as long as they did what was possible in active faith, God always did the impossible. And that's how we accomplish his will. And so we have to think in our heads, man, if he did it that way back then, why is he doing it that way now? He is doing it that way now. Right? So often I, I think one of the things that is utterly frustrating uh, in the church is how many times we, we say we want this, we say we want that, but we don't practice active faith. 
Let me me give y'all one. Let me get to the heart of it, okay? Here it is. It's like, um, God, save our region. But yet we're scared to tell anybody that we love Jesus. Like our coworkers don't even know we're Christians because we're, we're such secret service. Am I making sense? So, so like, like, let's think about all the things that, like, you're like, God, move in my marriage, and you can't even be nice to your spouse. Active faith. Right? And, and so it's even funny. You know, the other day I was like, Lord, because I've been, like, listening to these books about Corey Tim Bohm and, and Brother Andrew, and then I've been listening to this guy named Brother Yoon. Man, and, and Jesus is messing with me. And, uh, and one thing about Corey Tim Bohm, I'm like, man, she has such simple faith. And I said, Lord, I, literally the other day, Lord, will you give me faith like her? And, and uh, basically said this, is uh, I, I can if you'd quit relying on yourself so much. And so I had, I, I've been like evaluating my life going, okay, how, how much am I going, uh, I don't even need, I got it. I got it. I can do it. I, I got it. I know the Bible. I got it. Right? Instead of literally going, okay. And, and here's what I'm finding is it's in those, it's in those quick whispers. <laughs> do this. Do that. Say this. Say that. Because, because how can I ever ask God to speak to me about these big things if I'm unwilling to listen to the little things? Like if I can't do the small thing that he's asking after faith, how am I ever going to do that? Am I making sense? I'm trying. This is so simple, I know. But, but it's funny because we don't do it that often, right? Like we, once again, what I prayed last week, we overcomplicate things, right? So, so let, me, let me end in this way. So what's this? Different measures of faith in the Bible. We'll end it like this. No faith, little faith, weak faith, strong faith, great faith, rich in faith, full of faith, and mature faith. Now, here's what's so cool. That, that God actually describes all these people's faith, which tells you and I that faith can be measured. Okay? Now, we know, according to Romans, that all of us have been given a measure of faith, and I believe that's for salvation. But I think it's up to us where it goes from there. Y'all didn't believe that, did you? L- like, like, listen, I can tell you, I've seen people give their life to Jesus and never touch this book. I'm going to tell you, they don't have much faith. And I have seen people get saved and devour this book. And if you take, let's say this, let, let's say these two, these two folks right here got saved at the same time. If she devoured the book and he ignored the book, I can promise you in five years she's going to be way beyond him. Am I making sense? And, and so listen, the good news about that is, is if it can be measured, it means it can grow. Right? And so even disciples ask, Lord, would you increase our faith? Right? And think about it. What do we do? We move from faith to faith. And so wherever you're at today, listen, there's no judgment in this room at the moment. But but I hope you understand where you're at. And I hope that you go, you know what? I I, I don't want to stay where I'm at. I don't care. I don't care if you're even sitting at mature faith. I hope you're not content. (laughs) Right? Like there's more to do. And and I'm going to tell you really, really what's messing with me today personally is the fact that I'm like, okay, I know what I believe in the Bible, but how much of it's operating in my own life? What sets me apart 
from what I believe in the Bible and what someone says that they don't believe, how different are the results in our life? Ouch, right? Okay, y'all stand your feet. So Father, I'm asking today, God, in the name of Jesus, that every person in this room, God, as we take it, just an honest evaluation of our lives, Lord, can, can we recognize what you want from us at this moment? And can we recognize what you have for us? So, Lord, even if we're in this room today and we don't know you, um, Lord, help us recognize you exist. You love me enough to, do, to die for me, to do all that. So surely I can respond to you and say, God, here's my life. So, Lord, whoever's in here in the room today that needs to realize that you're real, and that you want to know them, Lord, I ask that you would help them to take that step. And Lord, for the rest of us that are in this room today that have been walking with you, maybe for uh, an amount of time, maybe for a significant amount of time, Lord, would you help us to um, not just be comfortable in what we know. God, would you help us to press into you so that our faith could be at a level that you desire for it to be. God, that we would rely on you fully. Father, I'm asking that you would show us the other things that we're, that we're putting our faith in, where we're misplacing our faith. God, would you show us the things that, are, um, that we are allowing to prop us up in other areas. God, when we just simply need to just trust and lean on you. And so, Lord, would you teach us how to do that, please? please and father if there's anybody in this room today that's struggling uh, God with with something that they need deliverance from Lord we we thank you that your power is strong enough to break any addiction and any stronghold and any mindset and God if there's anybody in this room today that's maybe even struggling with the fact that you truly washed them clean Lord help them understand that today that that you didn't die to patch us up you died to make us new so, Jesus, whatever we need today as individuals, Lord, help us to reach out and just connect with you. Help us, Lord. Help us to truly trust you and have confidence in you and rely on you. And even this week, Lord, as we, as we go, Lord, I'm asking that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would show us this week where, like times where we choose to lean on something else other than you. And God, would we hear your still, small voice and go, yep, I need to do this. I need to do that. God, we're reading the book. Would you, would you speak to us, Lord? God, would you begin to help us to understand what it really means to live by faith? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.